0: By doing so, you will be supporting meaningful Jewish educational content, funding the next generation of leaders, as well as furthering Jewish wisdom to people all over the country and all over the world. Please visit www.valleybetemidrash.org. Thank you so much and enjoy the program. Yalom Hevrat, a delight to be here with David Lester, who holds a BA in Education and MA in English Literature and Creative Writing and is a certified bibliotherapist, and is a PhD candidate in the field of Hasidut. He spent 12 years in the yeshiva world studying with Rabbi Adin Scheinzoltz, Rav Dov Singer, Rav Shagar, and Rav Bigman. Currently, he works as a the therapist at Yeshiva Maleh Gaboa and lectures at bar Ilan University. His first book, Jewish Marriage, The Ceremony, The First Year, and The Journey That Follows, was published by Mosaic Press in 2019. Uh, Rav Dovid, thank you for taking time to talk here. Thank you. So to start at the beginning, um, why did you write this book? Why was this topic something that
1: really fired you up and really spoke to you deeply? So I'll give two answers to that question. One is I love being married. And I say that honestly, from day one until now, 15 years later, not that every day I was, you know, on cloud nine, but every day I appreciate being married and not single. And I'll say why. Being married gives me a framework and it gives me grounding. Um, the conversations with my wife make me a better person, make me think more deeply about things. And I just think it, having a home of your own and the responsibility that that brings really brings out really good things. So this is a topic that I loved writing about because it's close to my heart and also because I think it's important. Very nice. The other reason um, I love writing this book is because I met with couples before marriage. and It was clear to me in meeting with them that there was some guidance they needed. That guidance was had psychological elements, it had spiritual elements, but there's certain things that couples don't know and they get confused about. For example, couples that get engaged or just get married, they're like, oh, we don't agree on everything. There's a problem. And it's like, no, there's not. There's a problem, but solving it is going to make you stronger. So just shifting couples' orientation about marriage, I found extremely helpful, and I love doing that when I have the opportunity. Amazing. Amazing.
0: That's awesome. So when you when, um, is there a problem out there? When you look at weddings, when you look at uh, marriage, do you see a problem
1: with which you want to respond to? So I think there are two problems that the book tries to address. One is that when a couple gets engaged, they often focus on the technical. In, in my eyes, if you're only focusing on the technical, financial, what napkin color, et cetera, you're missing the big part and you're maybe even missing the main course. When you get engaged, you have to really, this is the time to invest in being married and being married is something to learn. That is something that people don't know. And I hope this book teaches them. If we learn how to drive and we learn, you know, how to be an educator, we learn how to be a doctor. Oh, being married, that's something that we just do. No, it's something to learn about from Hasidists, from psychologists through good you know, guidance people if they're rabbis or therapists. Um, So that's one thing. And the second thing is uh, just going a little bit more in depth into what I was talking about before, having a healthy orientation towards marriage. For me, that's an orientation towards growth. Some people today, I think in our culture and Western culture particularly, expect marriage to be something that I can rest into or I can just be happy in. But marriage is hard work and it should be. And it makes us stronger. I want people's orientation towards marriage to be something, a place in which I want to grow individually and as a family, and not just something that happens passively. Yeah,
0: amazing. You know, something that uh, happens whenever I'm, I start my first meeting and preparing so to work with someone for their wedding is um, I see that they are obsessed with the ceremony, and which I which I love talking about and, and, and hammering out, but I say more important than planning your wedding is planning your marriage. And so uh, I convinced them that our sessions together will partially be about the, the preferences of the, of the ceremony, and there's lots to talk about, the meaning there, but also that it has to be infused within Jewish learning about the journey ahead. And I love that this is not just about the ceremony, but the first year of the journey that follows and how this sets the stage. So- Maybe I add
1: one thing in, please, in yeah. response to your comment, yeah. is that indeed many of the couples that came to me wanted to learn about the ceremony. What I discovered through teaching them is that the Jewish wedding ceremony has a lot of wisdom about love about relationship about a home, so if I taught them not the technicalities of the ceremony but about the the uh, the texts, the traditions and what they meant and what they 're trying to teach each and every couple, wow they came up they came out with much more much more than they expected
0: yeah, amazing so um, given given the influence of great teachers you've had, um, I could ask about many of them, but I wonder if you could share just um a little bit about the influence, both of Rav Shagar, um, who unfortunately uh, didn't reach his acclaim in Jewish thought until after his passing in broader circles, um, and Rav Adin Steindlz, uh, uh, also who, who of, of course uh, just 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 passed away. Um, uh, Rav Shagar passed a while ago, of course. But and, and in particular, how did Rav Shigar and Rav Steindlz, um influence, in particular, your thinking about Jewish marriage, your worldview that led to some of the ideas in this
1: book. So there are two things, one about Rav Shagar and one about Rav Steinsatz. Rav Shagar's book, Re'i Ma Huvim, which unfortunately is only in Hebrew now, is a beautiful book that was really, I, I found myself coming back to it when writing this book. And he has one idea in there, I, I almost want to say it saved my life because it, it oriented me in a way that was so helpful. He says that when a couple gets married, they think that they need to know a lot. They need to know what the future is gonna be and they need to agree on that. They think that they need to know exactly who, who their partner is. Rav Shagar says in a nutshell, no. Being married means embarking on a journey. And when we embark on a journey, we want a partner we trust, but a journey is always into the unknown. So the commitment of marriage, he says, is to one another and to go through everything together, but it, it is not predicated, not depend on knowing what the future is gonna be. That idea. Help me just breathe. Because it's like, some people are like, yeah, what are you gonna do and do you know? And it's like, uh, uh, there are a lot of questions I did not have answers to. Parentheses, I still don't. And that's just fine. If I know that Gali and I are gonna do whatever it is together, we're good to go. And we're gonna use our heads and we're gonna make good decisions. Related to your question about Rav Scheinzalt, uh, my wife and I had the honor when we got engaged to spend time with him in preparation for our wedding. He told us a personal story that has gone with me, Rav Scheindelt had this way about him. He would speak simple words, and 10 years later, you'd realize, oh, wow, that was really deep. Rav Scheindelt shared that there's nothing pink in his house. Okay. He said that he doesn't like pink. His wife would be happy to have pink around, but he can't stand pink. So he spoke with his wife, and they don't have anything pink. And Rav used that as a personal example to say, in marriage, it's better to talk about things than not talk about them. And sometimes we have certain needs or certain idiosyncrasies that if we relate to them head on and we're honest about them, we can reach an agreement easily. But if we leave things inside, some things, you know, things get pent up and it doesn't look so good. So I really appreciated that moment, Rav being so direct, so personal and so human, which is who he was really, yeah. Amazing,
0: amazing. Um, okay, I, I think just two last questions. One, I was I I, I really love this um Rav Shimon Shkup uh Torah on 142 around the expansion of self. Um this this notion of um, uh, uh, of of one goes beyond their body and their soul. Rav cook has similar Torah, of course, around um expansion of self as as do others. But this notion of where does the self begin and where does the self end? And I wonder how you think about um, this journey of expansion. I mean, it it continues if one is blessed to be a parent as well. And if one becomes a community leader or takes on patience um, or or community. And how do we psychologically think about this process of expanding the boundary of self, of of concern, of identity, of, of, um, of well-being?
1: I want to come back to the word identity, which I think is central for a marriage. I'll go even as far, marriage is a transition from an I to a we. Now, I'll go go as far even to say that I think some people stand under the chuppah, they don't get married in the identity sense. Mm -hmm. Sometimes that happens later, sometimes that happens earlier. But to really be married is to think about what do we need as a couple, as a family. Now, it's complex because that we includes me. So if I'm only thinking about what do my kids need, what does my wife need, and I forget myself, my home isn't going to be rich and I'm going to get lost. But I think one of the things I try and talk about a couple points in the book is this change of identity, to think about, not only to think about, but to sense that if my wife is happy, then I'm going to be happy. If she's not happy, then I'm not going to be happy. If that shift doesn't happen, I think something very deep is lacking.
0: Very nice. That's fascinating. Yeah, that actually, that identity shift is crucial to it being, to getting married, right? It's not just being a legal process, but a spiritual process, a psychological process. Okay, one last question for you today. I mean, there's so much I could I could um, ask and ask and share about from from this. What's a moment in the wedding ceremony that tends to uh, touch you? Is there a particular moment that when that moment arrives, I I I I am always surprised that I tear up at every wedding. Um, as a as a spectator, I guess you're never a spectator, as a as a as a participant, but most certainly as a Masada Kudushin. And I wonder, um, uh, is there a moment for you that that, that touches you in particular?
1: Well, I think there are two moments. One is the Sheikh Yanu blessing. According to Ashkenazic custom, the Khatan puts on says the Sheikh Yanu, because this is a, a festive and wondrous occasion, and he does it over the new talis. And according to custom, I actually saw this in in halachic books, that he's supposed to put the towels on his wife as well. Just even sometimes it's for a minute or two, sometimes it's just for a second. I think that, you know, you're under my wing or we're under the wings of Hashem together. We're in this together. I, I think that's just visually you can see it. I think it's just a beautiful, delicate, sensitive moment. The other moment I love, which has a little bit different energy is the breaking of the glass. There's the finality, there's the stomping, and there's that energy. Yes. Um, and I talk about the book a little bit, that there is a, a national overview here, that we are happy, but Jerusalem is not built yet, whatever that means. Um, and we're remembering those that do not have during our wonderful times. In the book, I talk about it psychologically, that marriages transition from something that was, ooh, ah, amazing, I love you know being in love, to I'm going to break that love almost, and create room for different kind of love. And that different kind of love, the metaphor I give in the book, has to do with taking the shards of glass that are broken and putting them back together. Yeah. So I think there's that transition that is very, very abrupt, Is right. has a lot of deep meaning in it. Yeah, you know, I, I love that
0: because I think that if I had to identify one of the top three problems in marriages, I mean, this is totally not empirical at the moment, it, but from my experience, it is that people, um, think something should be perfect and they feel resentment or let down that actually the perfect, the, per, the person is not perfectly beautiful. They don't perfectly fulfill all of their needs. They don't feel perfectly understood. And there's some sense, romantic sense that everything ought to be perfect. And the sense that it's all a little broken. I know this is a little different than what you were saying, I think, but it's related enough. It's all
1: a little broken, but that love can still be held and contained. I would just add a little bit to that, continue your idea and say, if marriage is supposed to be perfect, then am I supposed to be perfect? Yes. right. I prefer the model where our marriage is broken because I've got a little brokenness inside me. And I think a healthy home is a home that has room for my areas of brokenness and the areas where I'm a little bit sharp and not put together. If I feel secure enough to be broken, then we can go somewhere. Yeah, beautiful. Friends, please check out Jewish marriage
0: the ceremony, the first year, and the journey that follows. This is good if you are planning to get married. This is good if you're someone who leads weddings. This is good if someone in your family is getting married. This is good if you've been married for a while and want to reflect on these ideas. Because I actually think that that the rituals in the ceremony are not just powerful for people getting married, but people who are married or planning to get married, when they watch that, they can reflect on the meaning of those and reignite and renew their own commitments as well. Rev. David Lester, thank you so much for your time and keep up the great work. Thank you so much.